Now, I really love doing this podcast because I've learned so much about the wedding and event industry from beyond my view from the bandstand. And I think that more than anything, each phenomenally talented guest who's been in the pod has taken me and hopefully you, our listeners, someplace new and exciting. For episode 44, we hop on the phone with the spectacularly talented wedding and special event producer, the warm, wise, and wonderful Allison Joseph of Bob Gale Events, who speaks four languages fluently, by the way. I know, I'm jealous too. We cover so much ground and get such a fresh perspective on the event industry that I hope you find it as fascinating and enjoyable as I did. So without further ado, here's me and Allison. Enjoy. I have three brothers. The closest in age to me is six years older. Oh, okay. So you're the baby. I'm the baby and the only girl. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I chose wisely. Very good choice. Yeah. But tell me about weddings in California as opposed to weddings in New York and how you know people like all the people that I've interviewed in New York for the podcast. California is a very unique place to work um, on events. And just for background, so yes, we are wedding planners. We're also, I don't just do weddings. We do a very even mix of corporate and social events, creative corporate, mitzvahs, fundraisers, weddings, social events. Whatever people choose to celebrate, we are kind of there for them on that front. We're a very all-encompassing event experience. You know what I did notice? I was looking at your website. Yes. And it seemed like your things were huge. <laughs> I mean, do you specialize in like really large-sized? I mean, I've worked on events as many as 100,000 people and as few as two. Um, so, you know, I, like one of the most, I would say like the largest production weddings I've ever put together was for 16 people. Um no but kidding. What was that? It was a 16-person event that we've we've since done. I mean, we do about six six different events a year for this couple now. But they uh, gave us eight weeks to produce their wedding, and it's mostly family and just a couple of friends. And there, it was a second wedding for both of them. Well, she had never been married, but it was like kind of like a second phase of life for both of them. Okay. And they both had their own children, but their children were friends and were best friends. Kind of that fell in love. And they basically came to us and said, like, we want to get married in eight weeks. We don't know where. We don't know when, <laughs> 100%. But here are our criteria. And so we basically flew everybody in from abroad. We didn't tell them. They knew they were going to a wedding, and they knew they were coming to LAX, and that's all they knew. Where, they, where were they from originally? They're the kind couple. of from all over. Um, they were most recently living in Dubai, but people were flying in from the UAE and the UK for the most part. Okay. Um, and they flew everybody out and we picked them up on like in a luxury vehicle and basically drove them to Ojai. And every night we would do deliveries of like what the plan was for the following day with like articles of clothing to add to their attire and things like that. No it's, way. It was like a yeah. mystery kind of thing. Like they didn't kind know what was happening. Yeah, like the invitation just had like a big question mark on it. <laughs> and no. then it said like, this is your flight itinerary, this is what to bring. And they every night we kind of... Well, they didn't even know it was eventually going to be a wedding. They knew it was a wedding. Um, and that's all they really knew. Okay. And so, and this went on for four days. Uh, oh, that sounds very cool. It was. We did sort of like a jazz night for one of the nights. Mm -hmm. um, like kind of like a cabaret style setup. It's like lots of burgundies and velvets and blacks and feathers. And um, <laughs> like a really awesome 
jazz ensemble performed and um, they love Nobu catering. I don't know if you know Nobu. The oh, sure. Yeah. So they, we've had Nobu come in and, and prepare food for everybody we rented. There's a private estate on Ojai Valley property and we had them buy that out. And so we did ha- part of the events there. And then we also, for their what like days later, we had their wedding and um, we did a scaffold of a catwalk over the pool as the dance floor. So it was like this central catwalk with like, so they were like dancing on top of the water. Right, which we, we scaffold pools all the time, but for it to just be like the central portion kind of is a little bit more like plays tricks on your mind. Um, and it, it was just this very intimate thing. It went till like four in the morning uh, and then we did a brunch the next day, but you know, it was all kinds of moments throughout. And so for us, like it's not really even about the quantity of people because sure we can do events for a large scale and, and we do like, we've done a lot of stuff for like, Rose Bowl pup rallies and and we did the Amgen tour of California for years. So like we've, we have the capability to do large scale, but we also delight just as much in doing things for smaller groups of people. That sounds very cool. Yeah. I mean, 16 I, people with probably an extremely large budget. One of the biggest probably ever to date. And you do like, like a dozen parties for them a year? Half a dozen. They Half usually dozen. give me, <laughs> they give us, unfortunately, uh, very little notice. So like last Thanksgiving, for example, at 11 PM, I got a text message from the groom. I, I, he wasn't the groom. He's just a client now, this guy who was right. one of our grooms. Um, right. And he's like, I'm on a flight from Dubai, but I want to have a party tomorrow night. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> and so like, I like go to his house and bring like five vendors who happen to be in town for a site inspection. And we just like roll it out. You know, and wow. the thing so is every that, everything silverware, China, Turkey. Yeah, well, no, it wasn't a. There was not a Thanksgiving. Oh, it wasn't party. a Thanksgiving it's a party. <laughs> it's a party. Um, I just happened to be on the, the busiest night of the year. Well, it was they texted me on the night of Thanksgiving, but we've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this a long time, and so I am. I have really exceptional vendors that I partner with, right? Who we have fun doing these crazy challenges <laughs> with and you know, we, we can make it happen. So I guess. And that's so cool that they can just call you and say, no, no matter what the situation is that I you'll guess. take care of it. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Um, and it's fun. It's like, there's something oddly that like masochistically satisfying about being able to challenge yourself to do something like that. No, I think that'd be cool. Yeah. And we love, I don't know. I love a challenge. I like, Quick turns are fun. Obviously, it's just as fun to have notice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's nice to have a year plan. I mean, and like sometimes I feel like people plan for such a long time that they become, I guess, over engaged, so to speak. And so for us, there's like always a happy medium, but it depends on the person. Um, and the thing about LA, and, and back to your original question, really, is like LA is a place where we can do events year round, truly year round. Like, so we don't really have like a wedding season, so to speak. Um, here, like uh, one of our busiest months to do events is October. That's like probably the, the heaviest volume for us. Yeah, that's uh, ac- that's actually a great month. But you went you went to NYU and you've been in, you you were in New York for a long time, right? Yeah. So yeah. So I went. So I got my undergrad degree at WashU in St. Louis, Washington right. University, um, which is like a very scholastically driven school. Um, yeah. Right. Um, great business school. But I went for like something completely impractical, which was my goal. Um, and I studied romance languages and women and gender studies. Wow. Oh yeah. That's, I read that in your bio. You, you, you're fluent in four languages. I am. Yeah. Romance is, languages like French, yeah. Italian, Spanish, English. Spanish. So, um, you know, I, 
wanted, my mom always said, like, you study what you're interested in, the rest will follow. And I um, have like a, a mind for a- academics. I almost went that full route, like ap- academia. Yeah. And maybe one day in like a fourth life, I'll be a professor. But, you know, for now, I, I do lecture sometimes to some students. Right. Universities nearby. But overall, you know, I wanted to just focus on doing my thing for college. I, I have been doing this career that I am involved in now since I was before college. Um, so, uh, you know, indentured servitude <laughs> is alive and well. <laughs> and uh, I was born into the right business and kind of signed myself up at a young age to do what I do and was, you know, maybe like ambiguous looking in terms of my age. And you know, you are remarkably young looking. Thank I was you. actually trying to figure it out. And then I, I read your bio and it said, wait a minute, she's been doing this since 2002. I know. That's got to put her in her late 30s. But you you look like you're about 22. Oh, well, that's nice. (laughs) I'm in my early 30s. But I, you know, for me, I'm like sort of, I I kind of occupy this very interesting role of this like old lady in a young woman's body in this industry because I've been (laughs) doing this for a really long time. And like, I've seen a lot. I have a lot of experience hands-on and like I, before my first wedding, I could not drive myself to, I did not have a license. Um, <laughs> All right. So, so give everybody the background. So Bob Gale events and Bob Gale so, music. So they were your parents. Th- this is your parents. Are right? Bob and Gale. right. So Bob, are Bob and Gale, and Gale are my parents. I, yes. So they are musicians much right. like, and sort of we're in the same trade that you're in where they produce music for events and they, in LA or in New York. So they started in the 70s in New York. In 1978, they moved to Los Angeles, literally packed up my brothers in a car and like gigged along the way. No Um, kidding, really? Yeah, yep. And they drove to Los Angeles and had like orange crates for chairs for a long time and like mattresses and moved into a one bedroom apartment in the middle of Beverly Hills because it's the best school district. So they had my Beverly Hills High School. Yeah, that's where I went. And so um, they started this business doing bands and music and entertainment, all kinds of entertainment for events in the 70s um, and, you know, had like odd jobs along the way. Like my dad sold stationery <laughs> and they like taught music lessons and all that good stuff. Although full circle, my dad's retired now and teaches music all once again. But And their first big client was um, Marsha Lair. Do you know who that is? Mm-mm. So Lair and Black, do you know that company? It's a well-known invitation studio in Los Angeles. They did all like the Kardashian stuff, blah, blah, blah. But like Marsha was a planner and her daughter Ellen uh, now runs the show on on the invitation side. And sadly, Marsha passed away. But she was like kind of a real mover and a shaker and a really well-known planner in Los Angeles. Saw my parents at a gig and my parents were doing like – Everyone in, in the 70s doing kind of like society bands and not like Motown and like kind of right. cool stuff with a big band. My right. parents brought that New York sound to LA. So they're doing this like big Motown songs with this big band. And she was like, who are you? And hired them. She said, okay, I'm going to use you, but here are my criteria. You need to charge more. <laughs> they were Bob and Gail. And she said, got to drop the end. Sounds too campy, too, too mom and pop. And so you got to be Bob ah, Gale. So Gale's the last name. Gale suddenly became the last name. I guess, yeah. People call and ask for Mr. Gale all the time. I'm like, well, that person doesn't exist. Like, he's a good friend. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> so that's Bob Gale and your mother's Gale Gale? Really, if you know them, it should be Gale Bob, if you really know them. But, um, but 
but she kind of got, got them really into the circuit and they just, it, it went from there. They, you know, we did, we did the Clinton's inaugural ball, which I was present for and a child. No. Yeah. I sang on my dad's shoulders at his ball, at the inaugural ball. And again, not a singer, but as a seven-year-old, I was empowered. Um, but they've, they've really built this thing up from the ground up. And I, in 1997, they purchased a company called It's the Main Event, merged it with our company, and that started sort of like the planning and design side. And so at one point, we were doing everything in-house, like everything, everything in-house. And then kind of, we kind of took a step back, I want to say, you know, 10 or 15 years ago and said like, all right, what's our golden egg here? What really makes sense for us and has since transformed? And so my parents have since retired. And then my brothers and I, my two of my brothers are on the music side, and then my sister-in-law who met my brother working with us. She's with us, been with us for 15 years. She and I run the planning and design side. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's Pincus. Katie Pincus, that's right. Okay, yeah. that's your sister-in-law. Yes, but she was mine first. <laughs> that's so. really right. Is that right? Like you set her up with your brother or something? No, so she worked for us. She, we kind of got her fresh out of college and she had been working you know, at venues. Um, and we were her first like real legit job out of college and she's been with us ever since. And then I want to say maybe a year or two in working for us, we finally forced it through and they, they got together, but so, an arranged marriage, I guess we don't get out much, you know, you gotta <laughs> pick from the pool you've got, uh, but they, they're, they're very well suited. And so we, the four of us are in the business together now. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. And then which of your brother is the, the sports writer? The oldest brother, he is just like this prolific sports writer and has, was started as a hobby. And now he's like this well-known guy in that industry, which I think is hilarious. So cool. Yeah. So you walk, I like anytime I walk by a TV that has like any basketball on it, he's like in the corner of the TV, like being interviewed. Kind of cool. So. Wow. That's so cool. And so now my parents are professional uh, grandparents. They have nine grandkids. Oh my God. I'm, holy cow. Eric yeah. Pickus works for the Bleacher Report. One of his, yeah, he has a few different places he writes for. You don't need to start following him on Twitter. He's got a big Twitter following. He's pretty funny. Damn. Okay. This. Oh, this is very cool. My son's going to be extremely impressed. Who's turned me into a Nets fan this year? You know, he's a Lakers guy, but <laughs> he's in he's in law school, and the only way that I could find something to like talk to him about yeah. <laughs> was to talk to him about <laughs> basketball. And the Knicks just suck so badly. They do suck, yeah. yeah it's they- a hard life. My my husband is a lawyer, technically. He went to law school, passed, passed the bar, never practiced. Um, yeah, it's it's really useful for me, selfishly, to have that. Um, and it's just the way his mind works. Uh, he's brilliant and worked with us for eight years. Um, I, you know, like I have my master's degree in... Also you know, in, la- in languages or in... No, um, I got my master's degree in media, culture, and communication mm-hmm. uh, from NYU. And I wrote my master's thesis about the event industry, actually. Um, Get out. Yeah, so about the wedding industry. Is that how you know all these people in New York? No, no. I know them through Engage, um, through the conference, Engage conferences. Right, right. Um, but the way I approached my studies was like, it's very organic. And, and the first thing I did when I was in graduate school was study abroad. That was the first thing I did because I actually, ironically, had too many majors in undergrad. To really? study abroad. Yes. So they wouldn't let me go to France and study Spanish, et cetera. So I had to finish my studies at WashU. Um, I technically graduated in three and a half years. 
with technically two majors. I made that major, but it's, it's really four majors when you look at it from a credits perspective, which is a lot. So I kind of had to hunker down and do what I had to do. One credit away from a music minor. Literally didn't have any more hours in the day to do oh. that um, and have a great time in college, which was important to me and play club soccer and do all the things. See, it's yeah. amazing what you can do when you're that young. Oh my God. Yeah. I think it's so funny that I thought I was ever tired. Wow. So, so silly. I but, know, it's <laughs> it's yeah. amazing. I'm not like someone who needs a ton of sleep anyway. I'm like a five hour a nighter, but that. I think sleep is like a waste of time. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, it's like, I just, there's so many things I need to do and mm-hmm. want to do and I can't yeah. do them all in the number of hours a day that I'm given. And so, you know, I, you gotta think outside the box, but so I, I went on, I got my master's degree, wrote about my, the wedding industry, um, the theoretical perspective of the wedding industry. Like what was your thesis? <laughs> so, so I went to France as my first foray into graduate school right. and I was studying with this really interesting theory professor who was running this ethnographic research study. Ethnographic? Yes. Um, and so it's like, it's an, you know, it's an approach of, of essentially research, right? So I kind of didn't even really know, to be honest, what I was signing up for. I just thought he was like a brilliant professor. I, you know, I applied to NYU and USC for my master's degree and the new school. I got into NYU right away and I just didn't even, I immediately sent in my yes because I was so interested in studying with those professors at that school. And that's really what you make of your master's degree. And my family's from New York, wanted to be in New York for my graduate degree always. And so I I was very excited to kind of take that on. So I went to this program and everyone there was there to hone in on what their thesis is going to be for graduate school. Meanwhile, I hadn't even taken a class yet. And so he was like, okay, well, tell me what you know. Like, who are you? What do you do? So I'm like, I'm not going to, I don't really want to do the language thing. I wrote an undergraduate thesis. I I have the equivalent of a book in four languages that's been written and done. It was wonderful and it was an incredible experience. But, you know, I wrote about literature and cognition in this long, long research paper that I feel like I I felt good with that piece, didn't want to continue. And so I he said, what do you do? And I told him my background in events. And he just, this, this guy's main study is on torture and power. Okay. So that's what he studies. Oh my God. And he like, then the homeless communities in New York and he's this like very intense theorist. And he thought my world of weddings was so interesting. And so I was like, maybe he's right. Good song, by the way. Um, but you like that? I hope that's your son. That's mine, actually. I love it. Biggie. But yes, yeah, always. I'm, that's, you're an East Coast guy. I respect it. I, I'm a Tupac Biggie girl. I'm both. I'm both. Gotta I got. All right. I gotta admit, though, I heard that song from the movie Hardball with Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the first time I heard it. I, oh, I said, no, "Wow, what a great song!" And, that's yeah. ridiculous. Well, we got to get you a little more uh, updated on the hip hop side. It's very I know. important. I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> it's important. Our bands do a lot of hip hop. But yeah, so I, I kind of just walked the plank and decided to do an autoethnographic study. So it's basically like writing from my own experience um, about being in the event industry and doing weddings and sort of, it's almost like a seller's remorse piece of, and kind of like theoretical perspective of purchasing habits and how societal pressure impacts that. You know, that's really interesting. It's long. <laughs> And I, I'd rich. love to read it. I'm serious. Cause you know, it's funny. There's, I'm fascinated by this industry in the fact that when you come right down to it, 
again, we can cut this out of the podcast if you want. Yeah. No, it's okay. But it's it's people spending incredible amounts of money for a short period of time of being right. entertained. Well, and it's not even and it's not even the money part of it. It's like to me, I was more interested in the motivation behind the spend. So like, why do you feel this pressure? So like the concept for me is like the pressures of perfection in the industry Mm -hmm. and why that exists and how that impacts people's relationships in the industry with each other and why they choose to do what they do. And I kind of categorize people into three different you know, three different categories. But ultimately, I guess the crux of the thesis is that even if you try to, re- <laughs> even if you try to resist, you end up being forced to surrender. Surrender, um, all right. Surrender in terms of what? Surrender to what? So to the industry, to the spend, to the like actual motivation. So like, l- listen, you can have a client who is completely all in it. They're like, we are in this. I'm going to buy every single <laughs> piece of paraphernalia that says word bride on it. I am like all up in the <laughs> Pinterest world. I follow everyone that does weddings on Instagram. I am like really motivated to just like embrace this moment of my life where I am a bride. This is the same bride probably that's like deeply depressed when their wedding is over because it's like this huge letdown, right? But you know, that person is, they've kind of just under, they understand their place. They've been gearing up for this for a lifetime, so to speak. And they kind of just open-heartedly surrender to this experience. Then you have the couple who is maybe on the opposite end of the spectrum who says, you know, I kind of resent that this is something I'm supposed to do (laughs) in the way that I've been told I have to do it. Right. And so I'm, if I'm choosing to have this wedding, I'm going to do it in a way that I'm comfortable with. Now here's my take on that. Yeah. I am not a huge rule follower in general, I'll say. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel that especially now, and also since I've written this thesis, I think I would probably amend some of it because it's been, what, like 10 years now, but... you got to send me this thing. I swear to God. I'm- <laughs> I have to dig it up. Um, but, you know, the thing is now that there's so many options to how you interact in this world of weddings and events, but ultimately, you're still deciding to have the wedding and you're going to kind of inadvertently be caught up in the experience. Right. And so, well, you're you, you, you kind of have to, right? Because you you have to buy a, you have to pick out a dress, you have to pick out a do band, you, know? you have to pick out a, right? So that's the question. But yes, you do ultimately. And so, like, my the end of it, maybe it's a little bleak, but it's like everyone ends up surrendering, right? So we do um, we do weddings all over the world. I'll start with that. Um, the languages I have kind of under my belt really facilitate that, of course. Oh wow, that's got to be handy. It is. Um, I mean, and even just being able to communicate in Spanish here in California is important, but taking that, the language skills abroad is, has been, has really been helpful. Um, And we tend to get more work in Italy, I think. Oh, is that right? I think it's like a more approachable destination for people. Um, And they, they're so welcoming of the concept. Well, depends on where you are in Italy, but many of the parts of Italy that we work in, they're very welcoming to the concept of the American wedding. You're in California. Someone calls you and says, I want to get married in Florence. Might it start that way? I mean, how do you, yeah, how does this come about? Yeah. I mean, we get calls asking just that, or we get calls from people saying like, we like the idea of an Italian wedding. Where do you recommend we kind of go down that road? Mm-hmm. Um, and we've worked in a Como, we've worked in Rome, we've worked in Tuscany and 
Tuscany is probably the easiest. Como is pretty easy, but it's harder to get to. But um, Rome. Got to stop at the Clooney's house and get. It, <laughs> it is on the drive. It is all <laughs> depending on what side of. of Pick up some tequila. Como you're in. Um, yeah, because if you're going to like um, the Grand Tremezzo, you have to pass this house. If you're going in, uh, one of the more popular destinations in Como is right next to his house, which is a beautiful place. But Tuscany is a very welcoming place to get married under the standards of what kind of an American wedding would be. And they have so many different villas that are event ready, you know, and there's a lot of space to play with. Mm. Obviously the food experience is pretty incredible. And so it, it is like a relatively easy place to execute a wedding for us. I've never played a destination wedding. Oh, interesting. And uh, it's a whole different um, thing from a music perspective. Which I'm dying to. Yeah, I'm dying to. But I, I just, I don't even know. I can't imagine what's involved. Well, I mean, so for you, like, you're going to bring your musicians. Right. I know, obviously, I can talk this talk for a long time because this is what we do too. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, but you're going to bring person. musicians, um, you know, backline, you're going to want to get there. But there's certain things that don't translate, right? So, um, like, making sure that you have, like, a pretty solid list of needs because you're not going to bring your backline with you. I mean, you're going to, no, bring of your, course not. you know, I would get drums there. Yeah, um, yeah. 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 And we don't typically source out local musicians when we do destination events, we, we bring them all locally. Um, and it's like, it's so funny. I did this wedding in Rome and we hired this string quartet <laughs> to play in Italy, like from Italy. Um, cause we brought out the band from London for that one. Cause she had like a very particular, well, actually we had three bands, but one of them was from London. The other one was Italian. And then we also had a DJ from the States, but we literally <laughs> had this string quartet. And I was like, I speak Italian, right? So I know. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. So I'm like sitting with them. I have, um, someone I work with that lives on the ground in Rome. And so I kind of have, I bring her in for some of the logistics. Wait, so you know about music, you can speak the language. So these people, they've probably figured rich American girl, we can fake her out. We could do anything we want. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I, I've definitely had some funny experiences abroad with that, but especially cause like I do not look, I'm like this little blonde thing who's like bopping around Italy. And yeah. I'm like, then I'm like, okay, so here's the plan in Italian. Like, here's what I need from you. This is our protocol. She's going to walk down the aisle. And then you play until X moment happens. She did the seven circles, right? It's a Jewish wedding. Okay. So you're going to circle seven times. You need to play all the way through the seven circles. Yeah, continue. Right, right, right. But that was her choice. And so they're like, uh-huh, totally. And like, I can see the guy like, kind of like this in his really? mind. Okay. Yeah. And so we get through the processional and then the bride's walking down the aisle and they like kind of just stop when she gets up there. Cause like the, the song's over. I'm like, Vamp, no. vamp the song, vamp the song. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and so I'm like, I, I get one, this one violinist like sees that it's not, so she just keeps going. And so, oh, good. Okay. As long as there's something. I, like, I look at the guy and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, man. Vamp, vamp. We talked about this. They're like, we play until the song's over. Meanwhile, here we play until the person is done with doing what they need yeah, to do. Yeah, I'm telling you, yeah, this is a if specific thing at Jewish weddings. You canning, we're going to have a 30 freaking minute Pachelbel's cannon. Like you could play it forever. You I can mean, improvise yeah, on I it. Yeah. It, it's like when we're, you know, it's like 
the moments of overtime where it's like three o'clock in the morning and you get like a third round of overtime and the band's like, I got to make this, we're going to like, everyone's going to take a solo on this song right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We're going to do Sign Seal Delivered for 45 minutes. It's a different world. And that's like a small kind of the tip of the iceberg. It's like Roman, what Rome's tough, beautiful, but tough. Right. Uh, but I would say Tuscany is the easiest place. It's like how many guests and then how many from your team do you bring? Depends on the scope of the event. So like that wedding I did with Anna that she referenced in her podcast, that was eight events on property over mm-hmm. four days, which is a lot. It's a lot of events. Yeah. There was a team of us, I believe we were five, five or six, six right. people from my team. It, it just depends on the scope of work because like that 16 person wedding, we had five people. That's like a lot. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. because it, it's it, to me, guest count. I mean, yes. In its essence, if we have a 400 person wedding, like we do coming up next weekend, you need manpower period to move people. Sure. But, um, and uh, waiters. But I mean, like from my, t- and we're helping obviously select all of those elements and we do always make sure we have a certain number of servers per group. But for us in this particular instance, like it has very little to do with guest count. It has more to do with scope. It's, I, I like to approach events. Like I played a lot of sports. So to me, it's zone defense. <laughs> it's all zone defense. So for me, I'm like, okay, so these are the zones and the, these zones change throughout the day, but every zone needs to be manned. This is what could go wrong. Right. And the right person has to be in that zone. And so I have this thing (laughs) where I always dream all the way through my events before the event happens. So I will dream that the whole event from morning all the way till the end of the night and all the like problems that could come up. It happens a month before the wedding or event every time. Really? Yeah. And I, I keep a notepad on my bed and I, you know, take the, now I do it on my phone, but like I take these notes down because I don't know, it's like, it's all encompassing. And I really, we, we don't, we're not like a big turn and burn company. We, we really take on a limited number of jobs a year so that we can give our clients a lot of service and quality and product. And so for us, it's really about knowing every part of that event in and out and thinking through all of the possible scenarios and staffing it and addressing it accordingly. All right. And, you know, again, like we do a lot of mitzvahs. We do like, we do a lot of corporate. We do, we do all Facebook's events. Um, so. Oh, no kidding. Really? Mm-hmm, on the West coast. Yeah. And so for us, it's just whatever the project may be, it's not even about the numbers or the budget. It's just the scope of the event and what the needs are on our side. You know, what's really funny is that until I started doing this podcast, I really didn't know how many elements there really were. Sure. To, I mean, I see everything from the bandstand. So yeah. I didn't really know what goes in, like how lighting reacts with flowers. Oh, or how, it's everything. You know, Lighting's everything. Lighting is everything. Oh my God, I can't believe you said that. Every single person has said that. It's the most profound. Lighting is everything. It's the most profound nonverbal communication at the wedding. It really is. There's a reason you love a restaurant that you go to. It's an atmospheric thing, right? A huge percentage of that has to do with the ambiance, and that's created by the lighting. Um, And for us, you know, events are very sensory experiences, and we want it to feel and look and smell and sound the way it should. But you walk into this space and you throw everything at it. But if it's not lit properly, 
nothing feels the way it should. So no kidding. About that. So, so you have very specific ideas about who you work with for lighting. So yeah, so we, um, the way we work, I'm very specific about the vendor teams I put together. And a lot of my job is like putting together a team, right? And I, I'm sure you've heard that a million times, but. I have, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about personality. It's about aesthetic. It's about budget. It's a lot of factors. And I, we're essentially like the team leader, the matchmaker in this process. It really is a matchmaker. Yeah. yeah. And we really change up the vendors we use based on the client. So like we have an arsenal of photographers that we work with in different styles with different personalities at different price points because we need it to fit. And the photographer is like really in it with our clients all day long. And if they don't like that person, they're going to be scowling at them all day. And so they should really have a great rapport with that person. And we make sure that even if they don't do like an engagement shoot per se, like they have had conversations or a coffee meeting or drinks or something. So that yeah, exactly, exactly. some sort of synergy. Yeah. Um, and again, like we're pretty lucky. That's a really personal experience. It is. And like mo- most of our events are full w- weekend experiences on the social side, um, whether it be a mitzvah, a wedding, what have you. And so the day the event actually occurs, like they've already had two experiences on site at events with them where they're breaking that ice. But it's really important for them to like that person for the same reason, because it's yeah, so yeah, yeah, sure. And after the wedding or event also, like they are working with them on edits and on an album. And that's like one of the only vendors you really have a lot of contact with after the event. You know, the last note we play, yep. our experience is done. You know? Oh, they, my, After you kiss the bride goodbye, you know. My favorite, it's like I always joke, like drummers, I don't know that they think about when they're choosing drums because it's such a cool instrument when they're kids. Like that they're the ones that have to get there the earliest and stay the latest because they have all that crap to back up. The horn players. paid less than singers. They just like, pop up their horn and walk out the door. I'm like, the party's over at 11. Roll in one minute before sound check. Meanwhile, if the drummer's not there two hours before call, I'm like, where are you? And I'm calling them over and over again. Oh, the poor harpist. Anyway, um, but like, you know, know, it's the worst idea. Um, When they choose that, they really- It is a terrible idea. (laughs) It is just the most impractical instrument. It's so- cumbersome that instrument and dragging it through the beach when we have event it's awful and then tuning it oh no takes, to that yeah that's I crazy would not choose that um and they're always such lovely people they're humbled by what the physical experience of their lives <laughs> uh it's a lot but i think that as far as vendors are concerned I, i'm very particular about making sure we're matching florists and photographers and photography is an art form and it's so subjective Lighting, I'm pretty loyal to my one lighting designer. He's at 99.999% of my jobs. I'll answer you why because. You ready? Yeah. Lighting is everything. Yeah, it is. And he makes my <laughs> events shine, right? So we get hired a lot by other planners to design their events. Some, A lot of planners, you know, there's categories of planners, right? There's like the coordinators or the producers or the designers. And so we design, coordinate, and produce and, the whole experience. So we're, we're okay. full event planning, design, and production. But there are coordinators out there, just planners out there who don't do all of those things. And so oftentimes they'll call on us to design their events for them. Okay. So we have this one planner who hires us to do her events. About 10 years ago or so, maybe 12, she had a last minute celebrity job. My expertise lies in last minute jobs. As last minute, know. yeah. And so she called me and said, I have this huge job and it's like the day after tomorrow and I no. need your help. Yeah. So I like pull up a truck and we're just filling stuff on site. It's like out of control. And I essentially move into this celebrity's house for like three days to, to, to put this space together there, like around the clock. And there's this lighting designer there with me and everything I designed looked like 50 times better 
because at of this event, I'm like, maybe I'm really tired. Does it really look that good? <laughs> 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 I'm like, like, it's like, you're more proud of yourself because the designs look that beautiful. And, um, really it's, it was this guy, this designer. And so he is who comes with me on all my shows. Um, and really, what's his name? You want to give him a plug? Sure. Peterson event lighting. His name's Brandon Peterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is, he cares more than anyone does or should and is very That's a great thing to be able to say. I kind of really, pride myself on that too. It's like, you know, getting really close to every client. Yeah. Likewise. And he, um, he understands the language we speak. He is just there. He gets it. His, he hires well. Everyone who shows up on site is just as wonderful as he is to be there. Um, and to work with. That's a and great now, expression. He hires well. I like that. Yeah. And we're in the trenches together. Then he really it comes through. And so like, if I have a client who's like, Hey, this is, you know, what, these are my priorities and we have to cut back on something, which happens. Right. right. Um, it's always there anyway. <laughs> I get there and they're like, we obviously brought it. So we talk through our events in a way he understands. He's a designer like I am. And so he. The lighting guy. Yeah. So we. So he's not just a lighting guy. He's really a light. It's like well, a, I don't work a with mood expert. Guy. Mood. And and my line of work and in my scope of the way I work and with these large productions, I don't want a lighting guy. I want a lighting designer. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and I'm a designer who needs to be able to have a conversation like that in lighting design. I spend a lot of time on lighting design and moods and looks and this is the walk-in look and this is how I wanted to adjust and we're going to dim the lights as the music ramps up because nobody needs to be self-conscious and like the speech light you know we will prep anytime we're big on I'm sure you'll appreciate this as a band but you know anytime we have someone who's going to give a toast for example we give them a warning and we tell them where to stand and how to hold their microphone right up to their mouth and we say this is your light you stand in this light and we have a light that we call a speech light that's on a dimmer that goes up they stand in their light so that it's lit well for photo and lit well for video and everyone in the room can see them without shadow. So these are important things that sound intuitive and you would miss them if they weren't there, but they are like the unsung heroes who don't get that call out ahead of time. And now it's funny. I had this one dad whom I love. They, they planned with us out of Chicago. I got this beautiful text message from the bride. It's been four years. And she sent me this amazing note on her anniversary, thanking us. It was just so lovely. Yeah. And we did this wedding and the dad was like, I just don't, lighting design is very technical. A lighting contract is very confusing if you don't know what it means. What are parkans? What are pin spots? What is an incandescent light versus an LED versus color changing versus not? Why is it this on dimmer? Why is this not? What is this power requirement? I can talk yeah. about generators all day long. I just did a show for HBO where we had to drop generator cables from the rooftop four down, four floors down a building to get wow. power, which Brandon did for me. But this is like, you know, you do a walkthrough. I'm like, well, this is the only way. So we're going to just drop cables down four flights of a high rise. They don't want to hear that it's not doable. Yeah. Yeah. So that's fine. We can do that. Stick me in a field in the middle of nowhere. I will make it work. I will get you running water and power. You <laughs> like have to dig the hole yourself. Which, which we, you know, we've all done. If anyone that says to me on site, that is not my job, that is really not their job and they are no longer welcome on my job site. Get out. We'll sweep a stage. I will tape down to cable. I will pick up zip ties. I come home from every job with a pocket full of broken zip ties. I look like a murderer in my spare time with my <laughs> <laughs> zip ties. And safety cable, but like, you know, these are the things that don't get talked about. So I'm talking to this dad. I'm like this, all this weird arcane language. He's like, you know, I'm just going to trust you on this. But he wasn't thrilled about the spend. It's a lot, you know, and he's like, this is like, sounds crazy. And like, in his mind, he would love an extra piece of the band or another floral 
piece or whatever. I'm like, mm-hmm. just trust me. Walks up to me in the wedding and he was like, geez, you were right. And he Wow, no kidding. So one of the only clients with the wherewithal to even just appreciate it. it at that yeah, moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. He sent my lighting designer a thank you note. My lighting designer cried. His, we write handwritten thank you notes to all of our vendors after every job. No That's, kidding, really? Oh, yeah. I, I feel very strong. My mom's an old school New Yorker. It's the right I've never it. gotten that in my oh. entire life. Well, if we work together, I'll write you one. But uh, we write them after every job. I feel very strongly about that. These are the people that make my job possible. They make it so I can sleep at night. They are what bring these events to life. I mean, it's a true partnership, but they don't always get the the thanks they're deserved. And the band always obviously gets all the love and they should because they're what drives the event. That is what people should spend the most money on is entertainment. Thank you. It's, It's the largest, loudest, most obvious thing in the room. Yeah. And honestly, that's what people walk away remembering, right? Is that they had yeah. a great time. Listen, everything has to be addressed. The temperature has to be right. The lighting has to be right. The design, the food, all of that stuff. There needs to be, the booze needs to be plentiful, but without great entertainment, you have no party. Yeah. I mean, the, the person who started me in this business was this big Chicago restaurateur. He said three things you need for a great party. You need a great band, you need top shelf booze, and you need ice. Yes. Yes. To all of the above. The first thing I did when I planned my own wedding was reach out to the musicians I wanted and put them on hold. <laughs> so yeah, I get that. I understand that. But um, it's nice for everybody to get their their worth and, and their appreciation because I think that it's a, such a team effort. And it's so funny. It is such a temporary moment, but it's like a permanent memory for these people. And I take that very seriously. And I only pick vendors who also take that equally seriously. And, you know, I feel, we feel very lucky to get to position ourselves in this industry as people who really do give that respect to that moment. I think we're very lucky we get to make our living being creative. Um, I definitely don't take that for granted. So, I mean, not everybody gets to do that. Like, what's the one thing that you want people to be able to do before... You know, just on a person-to-person, you're talking to the bride right before it happens. So I, some of the main pieces of advice I give my couples, one is stick together. If you're not together throughout the party, your memories don't line up. That's, that's an so great. I love that. But it's true. Like uh, we, my husband and I really took that. I mean, I give, I've been giving that advice for years. So uh, we have all the same memories from our wedding because we watched it together. We experienced it together. You know, you have to let go just like in life, right? You make a decision every day to wake up and you're like, yeah, you can like let the stress of everyday life or whatever completely tear you apart. Or you can make a decision every day to be like a happy human being. <laughs> Feel the same way about your wedding day. Like you wake up and you're going to decide to enjoy yourself. You're going to decide to take in the moment and be present and dance and drink and enjoy. Like I'm here for the reason I'm hired is so or my clients can be as close to a guest at their wedding as possible. And that means their job is to eat, drink, and dance, period. Like you are a freaking quote machine. <laughs> oh, I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, like I crowd surfed at my wedding. I Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I have my main memories of my wedding are dancing my ass off. I cared about nothing except having a good time and being with my people. And it's funny. Um, my team who executed our wedding, which to be honest, we, we had a, we, we did the whole thing. We did a big wedding. And one of the girls on my team said, okay, look, I'm going to bring you into the ballroom just to like, check it out. I said, you know, <laughs> I'm okay. Yeah. I trust you. I trust that I won't be able to let go if I do that. 
Yeah, that's right. What if you see something that you I already know. I could tell you right now the small, tiny errors that I would yeah. have adjusted. Do they matter? Does anyone know about them but me? No. No. Yeah. And I had the time of my life. I had the best time. I really enjoyed it. And I was present and we were together throughout the whole experience. But you have to have that perspective. Like you have to let it go and decide to enjoy yourself. I can't, listen, we can do our job totally right. I cannot protect you from your aunt who's not treating your mother with respect during family photos. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can move her to the edge of the photo or get her a glass of wine (laughs) or, you know, a shot of tequila with like a, you know, a little bit of a Xanax chaser, but I can't really do much beyond that, you know? So the reality is like family dynamics, I can't protect you from, I can't protect you from having a headache. I can give you Advil, you know, but like you have to decide to enjoy yourself and let it just be a great time because you've put all this love and energy into this experience. And I I've said this in talks before, but I, I, I always echo this sentiment. Like this is the only time in your life. Everyone you love is going to be in a room to celebrate the fact that you're in love. So like, just embrace that, enjoy that, be part of that and know that like that you don't really get that again. That's right. You really don't. I know. Like, I mean, a wedding is to celebrate the fact that you fell in love with someone. That's pretty cool. So stick together, be present, decide to enjoy yourself and dance. For God's sakes, dance. (laughs) Because everyone's going to do what you do. You set that tone. So if you disappear, it feels weird. It feels wrong. And people feel wrong for enjoying themselves. So if you enjoy yourself everyone else will too, that you set the tone for that party. I always tell people we can do a, you know, a multi-million dollar job. We can pour money and effort and time and great entertainment into this experience, into this event. But the people part comes from you. I can't create warmth where it doesn't exist. I can't create fun and enjoyment and like true happiness where it doesn't exist. So right. if all that's there, then you have the ingredients that you need to make it great. Okay. So here's the thing. The truth is we're pretty choosy about who we work with. We say no just as much as we say yes. Um, And so- Like what would be something that you would, that would make you want to turn it down? When a client tells me they've interviewed 15 planners. (laughs) Okay. Red flag. Stop right there. Yeah, stop right Um, there. Especially because like, here's the thing. LA is a market that's flooded with a lot of great talent on the event side. Um, I am not a competitive person by nature. It's just not who I am. I truly believe there's everyone gets their worth. Everyone, there's enough business out there for everyone, and everyone is going to ultimately attract what they need to attract and get who they should be get what they should be getting. I just I'm very competitive with myself as a human. Like even in sports, growing up, I'm I'm big on it. I love my vendors. That's why I'm it's like I'm a team sport girl. You know, love I love that. that. But I also look at like my planner colleagues in the industry as teammates because they are and we all have to learn from each other and give each other support and help and guidance and like we share advice and contract we have that's who you can keep it real with so you'll discuss like all right we we tried this new florist we tried this new band like we change the way we charge because we write this into our contract because here's a version of that so we can talk about it oh wow so i sent a contract sample to a friend of mine yesterday because she wants to morph the way she's doing business. And so- Oh, it's a friend of yours in the industry. 
who's a fellow planner. To me, we're all peers and we're all in this together. And there's no reason why we shouldn't be leaning on each other, supporting each other and getting information and advice and guidance from each other. I don't really get that sense in New York so much. No, it's so different there. But you know, I, for us, like, I don't think that there's any big secret to what we do. It's, it's a matchmaking thing in terms of personality. So like a client might interview me and I might say, I don't think I'm a great fit. I think that this person's a better fit for you. And I will put them in touch with that person. And that's real confidence to be able to do that. I get that I'm lucky at this point of my career to be able to say no and pay my bills still, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. But like the reality is that I have a friend who really wanted to break into this destination market in this one city. And I, I was working with a client, you know, uh, we were revising a version of our contract. And I was like, you know, I don't feel good about this. I don't think we're going to come out this the other side in a positive way. And I think, I know this friend of mine really wants to work in this city and I'm going to put them in touch and I think it's going to be better for them. And it was. Oh, wow. So it's just for me, I know when to say no. And I know it has to be a mutually beneficial experience because it's so personal and we're so in it with our clients and the investment is huge it's a lot. And so we don't want to say that something is going to work when it's not going to work or be naive enough to think that we can change someone's personality or the way they interact with people, because that might be a great fit for somebody that's not me. And that's okay. I'm not for everybody. And I don't believe I'm for everybody. And I'm okay with that. Well, you are so incredibly, what, delightful. I feel like, I feel like I've known you my whole life. It's so funny. (laughs) So nice chatting with you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Where do people find you? Like on uh, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. And and talk about your brother, too. Oh, yeah. You can find Eric Pincus on Twitter at Eric Pincus. And then for our business at Bob Gale Events. So at Bob Gale Events or at Bob Gale Music and online at bobgale.com and bobgalemusic.com. All right. So I'll follow you. You follow me. Done and done. I'm at Doug Winters Inc. I'll follow you right now. Okay, good. (laughs) Thank you so much. And thanks to Anna for introducing us. Absolutely. Thank you, Anna. So nice to chat with you. My pleasure. Okay. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. So that's me and Allison. How cool was that? I just want to apologize for not being able to keep a normal schedule. But in the summer when my band is playing every Saturday night, it's really difficult to do this and concentrate on my own clients at the same time. So thanks for bearing with me. And thanks for subscribing to the Wedding Wisdom Podcast and keep spreading the word. I'll catch up to you really soon, I promise. Bye-bye now.